Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal. Chrisanne Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Hey, guys, welcome. JC and I both in the studio at the same time. Don't forget to hit that thumbs up. Go down and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Did you know that if you are on Facebook, you can also subscribe and follow? That way you'll be sure to get our notices and make sure that you never miss a show. And then if you share the loves by sharing the show, you also are able to um, help us out and give us the support that we need that guess what? Uh, they don't want to, you know, the social media giants don't want to give us. So let me share with you a couple interesting things going on today. Uh, as, as I told you, we are having uh, Representative Anthony Sabatini on the show today. He will be joining us shortly. Um, you guys have to be like totally scratching your heads 
Why in the world would Chris Ann Hall be having a politician on her show? I told Anthony, I said, I don't have politicians on my show, but sir, you are the exception because Mr. Sabatini is not just simply a politician. He is a friend. He is also somebody that I have personally vetted. And yes, we've had differences, but you know what's interesting, JC, is that we're all, uh, Anthony is always willing to sit down and talk to me about stuff, you know, and he is very, very liberty minded. What is your professional assessment of Anthony Sabatini? Uh, I'm not a professional. I'm an amateur. What is your amateur assessment of Anthony Sabatini? <laughs> <clears throat> um, seems like a solid dude. So here we have uh, also tomorrow, 7 p.m. I will be teaching in Jacksonville, Florida. I almost said Missouri. <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, the Foundations of Liberty at the River Church, Jacksonville. That is open to the public. Plenty of seating. This is this is one of our foundational classes. This is one of my I, I love teaching this class. And this class is also really fun for young people. So we we talk about some really, really cool stuff. And uh, you know, the history of the Constitution, the five documents 700 years that it took to create our constitution and that again is going to be river church jacksonville tomorrow 7 p.m make sure that if you are able that you make it this is also the second to last day of women's history month so we have one, we have two more women history presentations for you. This one is Hannah Winthrop. Hannah Winthrop. Now you guys know Mercy Otis Warren. We've introduced you to Mercy Otis Warren. And Hannah Winthrop was friends with Mercy and she wrote Mercy a letter on January 1st, 1774 and said, be it known unto Britain, even America's daughters are politicians and patriots. You know, JC, you know why I love that saying? Because Ruth Bader Ginsburg went on international television and said that America was formed and our constitution was created to keep women out of politics. So it seems quite obvious to me that the women at the time of our independence and the drafting of our constitution had a whole different idea about their role in formation of America. And so as we celebrate women in history worthy of recognition, we need to remember women like Hannah Winthrop who sacrificed so much. Hannah Winthrop was not just simply friends with Mercy Otis Warren. She actually had to abandon her home and set up a whole new life elsewhere because of the British moving through town to uh, raise their, ta their town to the ground. And they had to whole learn a whole new lifestyle while her husband and her sons were off fighting. 
Uh, this is another little interesting thing to look at today. We are now banned by Instagram for using Instagram's branded content tools. Mm -hmm. um, because we are ineligible for, because we don't follow community guidelines. Mm -hmm. Because our posts are hateful. I see. You know, like Hannah Winthrop. Posts that champion real women who champion uh, minorities at the time of our founding, that champion our constitution. And what you know what's really interesting, JC? I have no idea what we've been banned from. Yeah, they don't. They don't like to say. No, I mean, I don't even know what it is they're telling us we can't do anymore. Do you have any idea what that is? Instagram's branded content? Uh, I don't think we've ever used Instagram's branded content. <laughs> content tools. Whatever it is, they think they're punishing us. Is that interesting? Yeah. The cancel culture. Talk about cancel culture. JC, JC, I don't know. If you are a longtime uh, follower, listener, watcher, then you know that my husband is a March Madness person. Mm hmm. I will say that you're a little less fanatic about it than you used to be. But now we have the cancel culture hitting March Madness. Yeah. Did you see this story? Mm -hmm. They're trying to kick Oral Roberts University out of March Madness, out of all of the NCAA tournaments and programs, by the way, because... It is a Christian college that teaches the Bible and teaches that uh, homosexuality is unbiblical. Mm -hmm. What does it mean, a mere 15 seed? That was their ranking in a tournament. Ah, is that mere? I mean, I don't think that's it's mere. It's a lower, lower seed. Yeah. But there's a lot of them. That's like above half, isn't it? No. Oh, okay. So they're picking on Oral Roberts and they're not even a really good team? <laughs> well, yeah, they were a good team. That was a whole, there was this so-called Cinderella story because the lower seed were beating, beating the people. So yeah, they're a good team. Oh, they're a good team then. Oh, so now they're ranked. Oh, let's see. Destroyed brackets by toppling number two, Ohio State. I didn't look into. You don't the want details. to do the whole show on explaining no. brackets and March no, no, Madness no. Time. I don't want to do that. So I just, they're in the championship yeah, yeah. of college basketball. They were until they <laughs> lost, and uh, everybody, all the cancel culture was angry because uh, allegedly they're something to have to do with their Christianity. Yeah. So they but banned Loyola. Yeah. Chicago was in there. Baylor. Baylor was the number one seed. Baylor's a Baptist college. Loyola's a Catholic college. So it's interesting to me what is what does that say about the other universities that the cancel culture has no problem with them? Yeah. And they're allegedly Christian universities. So they may they so they, they the, might ought to be more upset than Oral Roberts. No, they're probably thinking, whoo, our money is safe. I'm just saying. <laughs> Obviously, ORU's doing something right. Yeah. If you're a Christian, if you're, you know, Christian college and cancel culture is okay with you, 
that's probably a problem. Yeah. So they apparently they ban profanity, social dancing, shorts in the classroom, mm -hmm. and the school's discriminatory and hateful to anti uh, hateful anti LGBTQ plus policy. Mm -hmm. Says twice in their student handbook, Oral Roberts specifically prohibits homosexuality. In their student conduct section under the heading of personal behavior, the school expressly condemns homosexuality, mentioning it in the same breath as occult practices. Yeah. In other words, standard Christian beliefs. Right. You know, so I don't know. So, so you know, I guess, I don't know. You know, it's, it's the orthodoxy of the cancel culture. You can't participate in life if you don't believe everything they believe. Right, right. Because it, you, you know, their whole thing back in uh, what was it, twenty nineteen, was you know, we, we and and before we just want to we just want to be accepted, which is nonsense. They don't want to be accepted. No, they want to control. They want to destroy Dominate. everything that destroy. is not them. Yeah. I just it, they're a private college. Mm -hmm. What did? What do these people care? You don't like how they do things? Then don't go there. Yeah, it's not enough for them. Not enough. So, Jason. You must be stripped of everything. Everything. And if you teach American Include, history. And, and eventually and your life. I, I posted on this, but I, I didn't go all the way. Where did you what post on Facebook? On Instagram. Oh. I don't really post on Facebook. But, uh, yeah. So, they, they want everything from you. And uh, sooner or later, you're alive. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. People don't like to hear that. When does this, it this stop? Is, uh, this is what I'm saying. That's my point. This is pre prelude stop? to genocide is what this is. This is, this is their trajectory. Uh, it doesn't stop. That's who they are. You know, how is this? Can I just... Uh, this is what what stuns me. How is this such a bad philosophy? Students are expected to maintain the highest standards. Did you do that already? I did. Okay. The highest standards of integrity, honesty, modesty, and morality. Mm -hmm. They include you cannot steal, lie, you can't be dishonest, you can't gossip. You can't slander. You can't engage in backbiting, profanity, vulgarity, including crude language, mm -hmm. sexual promiscuity, including adultery, any homosexual behavior, premarital sex, drunkenness, immodesty of dress, and occult practices. Well, it's an interesting, JC, that they say that they mention homosexuality in occult practices in the same breath, but they also mention lying, stealing, slandering, gossiping, backbiting, profanity, vulgarity, drunkenness, immodesty in the same breath as mm. occult practices. As a matter of fact, immodesty of dress and occult practices are right next to each other, separated only by a three-letter conjunction. Sure. It's, I mean, there's nothing unusual. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, radical and shocking. I mean, this has pretty much been the Christian point of view for, uh, I don't know, two millennia. <laughs> so whatever. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's just very bizarre that this has been just common Christian belief for uh, 
two and a half centuries in this country and we've gotten along just fine. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's just more of their rampage. Meanwhile, back on the ranch. Cause I mean, it's not like, you know, th this isn't the crusades. It's not 1400s, 1600s, whatever. Nobody's, there's nobody being burned at the stake or hanged because you're you're a homosexual or whatever. Like, get over yourself. We've moved beyond this. Everybody tolerates everybody. You know, the gospel is, the the gospel mission is. I mean, pretty much preaching, right? Right, and talking, right. You, you don't like the message, so what? Walk away. And you know what's give interesting? them the finger, move on. You know how many you know how many times I've been cussed out. Uh, you know, but it is what it is. I'm yeah. not, nobody, nobody is forcing any of these idiots to do anything. And, I, and it's just a bunch of kids playing basketball. What are they, what are they doing to you? How are they hurting? I mean, seriously, look, this is how ridiculous it is. Let me tell you the ridiculousness of this really, of, of them whining. And I'll use their phrases, pearl clutching over what ORU's policies are. Do you think a single one of them wants to attend ORU? No. What do you say? You're being discriminated? You're being kept out of ORU? I, you don't want to go there. You wouldn't go there even if they didn't have this policy. I mean, so it's it's totally idiotic. What I look at when I, when I see this, this picture, JC, is young men getting a... a an opportunity to have a, a better life, to have an, you know, and to, to have an opportunity to have a professional life. They're going to graduate from college. That's what the progressives love, right? Everybody's got to graduate from college. Everybody's got to have a degree. You have these men, they're not out drugging, thugging, stealing, making babies without without having marriage. You know, they're going to they're being prepared to have prosperous lives. They will be prepared. They're preparing them to have lives where they're not stuck in in poverty. They're not stuck in in crime. What why, why do you have to attack them for that? Well, I think Gabrielle makes a great point, and I've said this very often. This is a minority of voices. It is simply magnified by the media and social media. This is a this is a form of propaganda. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the the reality is, the loudmouth cancel culture uh, are really kind of a just a handful of people in the big scheme of yeah. things. But they are they they are portrayed as a loud voice. They're, they they attempt to portray them as uh, as a majority of opinion, and so a lot of this is just propaganda. Yeah, and it's stupidity on display. Yeah, absolutely. As I was, uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch. But it is the cult. But it is the, the, the part of the <laughs> magnification is trying to influence the culture as well. Yeah. So yeah. they plant this I think, thought process. I think they're apoplectic to steal your word to think that these young men, many of them minority, may grow up, may may graduate and have families and be something besides radical leftist agenda driven. Right. That's really the point. 
it's it's all about their education. They're not being trained to be slaves on the the progressive plantation. They're not going to pick up the uh, handbook about burning burning down the American plantation. They're not going to run around and and hate people. My gosh, JC, they might actually love their neighbor. So we have the Department of Homeland Security changing policies to fight domestic violent extremism, a.k.a. dissonance, right? So I wanted to show you this before Mr. Sabatini comes on. Um, I wanted to show you this because what the Department of Homeland Security is doing, number one, they're going to be, in their own words, quote, scouring social media. Notice the picture, right? Who are they looking for? They're not looking for Antifa. That's not a picture of Portland being burned to the ground. Mm -hmm. That's a picture of a broken window at the Capitol. So they are going to be using private companies that scour social media data that it all that they already collect okay they're going to expand their relationships with these companies that make a living off of of collecting your metadata off of social media and they're going to use this data against you mm -hmm. it's going to be used uh, by the uh, Border Patrol, uh, Immigration, Customs Enforcement, ICE, Coast Guard, Secret Service, and other DHS components that they don't want to tell you about, right? That's what that means, other DHS components, which are your fusion centers, right? When they've partnered with your sheriff and your police department to spy on you with your local police department, sheriff's department, drones. And this is this. Why are they doing this? They're doing this because these companies can do this without a warrant. Right. They're doing this to circumvent the Constitution. They're doing this to circumvent your rights. They're doing this so they don't have to actually recognize that you even have rights. And then what they do is they go after those private companies. See, look, they have relationships with them, JC. They don't even have to do subpoenas with these people anymore. They have mutual jurisdiction agreements with these companies. And so now your social media tool companies are expanding the power of the government. The idea, look at this, Jess, this is crazy. The Department of Homeland Security, toxic messaging. The idea is to identify people who may, through their social media behavior, be prone to influence by toxic messaging spread by foreign governments, terrorists, and domestic extremists. We want to identify the narratives that are emerging, assess which narratives are likely to incite violence, which now has a whole new definition. That word incite has a brand new, well, it's not a brand new definition. You remember when Eric Holder was 
uh, attorney general and they issued the white paper that said that they could secretly assassinate U.S. citizens with, and, and they redefined imminent. Mm. Well, now we are redefining incite using that new definition of imminent. So, and then we're going to figure out what targets are likely and then take steps to mitigate risk. Do you know what that means? That's that, that's that, um, uh, Tom Cruise movie, right? Minority, Minority Report. Report. We're going pre -crime to pre-crime unit. Pre-crime unit, and this is the laughable part. We're going to do this in a very careful way that is mindful of privacy and civil liberties because it's focusing on narratives, not people. What the heck does that mean? Focusing on narratives and not people. Well, because they're, narratives they're talking don't about the have pages on Facebook. But I mean, they're talking about the messaging, the, the things people say is what they're trying to say. So we have to be careful of civil liberties because this this we're making a judgment about what people say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they were being careful, mindful of privacy and civil liberties, they would be circumventing the Constitution by working through private companies. They would be getting warrants, legal warrants like they're supposed to be getting. Yeah, well, the, the problem is the focus on the, the narratives, right? Right. Because it says, you know, we're going to scrutinize plans for violence, not political ideology, which is which is hogwash, because that's the opposite of what what they've done for the last four years Absolutely. And, and what they're doing now. So they they com practically ignored uh, and continue to ignore direct calls for violence and plans for violence, and they target political ideology. This the entire scenario um, of what we saw in these hearings on the sixth have been about uh, been about the person of Donald Trump. This is not about violence or plans for violence, or even uh, the actual people that committed violence. Right. All the talk from these politicians that influence these policies has been about who uh, they've over and over mm -hmm. again said Trump supporters, Trump supporters, Trump supporters. Uh, if you're not focusing on political ideology, then that phrase is inappropriate. Right. Trump supporters. Well, not only that, JC, I have met since January 6th. I've personally met many people who were simply present on January 6th who have not only been investigated by the FBI, but also, are you ready for this? Placed on no-fly lists. Mm -hmm. I just met a lady just a couple days ago who the FBI looked her in the face and said, oh, we're not here to investigate you. You're not we're not uh, going to charge you with any crimes. There's no accusations against you, but we just know that you were there from your social media posts and we just want to talk to you about it. And she actually sat down and talked to them because she said, I just wanted to do the right thing and I didn't have anything to hide. And then she, Bless her heart. and then she goes to fly JC. She goes to fly and they wouldn't let her book her flight online. And when she got her boarding pass, it had the, the infamous quadruple S on there, which means you're going to get 
the full pat down. She was held up for over a half an hour. The only thing they didn't do was strip search her at the airport. Mm -hmm. After the FBI sat there and told her there are no allegations against you. There is, there are, we are not going to be charging you with any crimes. We don't even suspect you of doing anything. Now the department of Homeland security has her on a flat, no flight list. Yeah. How, but how do you late... reconcile that? She didn't, she said, I didn't even go into the building. Yeah. The... And I cooperated with them. Right. Well, and I don't know how you can't, how this cannot be considered politically motivated uh, and focus on political ideology. Because you, you have, you know, the latest shooter who'd actually threatened violence, was known to be violent, had committed violence and all this stuff was being watched, uh, apparently watched, quote unquote, by the FBI, who essentially does nothing mm -hmm. and, and allows this person to kill people. And so here you have a lady who's just present and they tell her to the to her face, you've done nothing, suspected of nothing, accused of nothing. So you're put on a no fly list um, because of because of what? Being, because of your being presence, at a political being at, at a, a political, at a political rally. rally. So that's that's focused on political ideology. Um, so it, it's really laughable to this me. This is a flat out lie, an absolute. It is flat of course a lie. lie. It is absolutely a lie. We I mean we we have plenty of evidence. Uh, it's complete garbage, and it, it's laughable to me. Like we were talking about the other day of. Uh, the Durham, or I mentioned just on the last sh show that I did about the Durham investigation. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's totally laughable. You got Stroke and and uh, and what's his name, uh, Kleinstein or whatever. Um, like that's the only two people. I, I and and you know we heard this stuff all the way uh, back during the Trump administration, where people oh well, you know the FBI, most of the FBI agents are good people. Uh, you know, they're all good people in the FBI. You know, there's just a couple here and there and the leadership and this and that. I, I don't buy that for a second. I don't buy any of it. I, I think I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I, I think there's a handful of good people in the FBI, not the other way around. Yeah. So I think I think the handful are are the minority are the good people. The majority is corrupt from top to bottom, have mm -hmm. no respect whatsoever ever right. for individual liberties and right. they will run roughshod over anyone. They have no check on their political biases in their work. So I, I mean, the idea of putting this in the hands of people like that is, is mind blowing to me. And in the, by the way, the same goes, and I just talked to uh, a retired um, highly placed military officer uh, who who is now still highly placed but works in a civilian capacity um and we were we were laughing we laughed together uh not enough not really in a funny way but just a, 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 an incredulous way if you laugh so you don't cry kind at, of way at at the suggestion of oh the military's going to save us cuz they love you know blah 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 the military and our hopes in the military you're crazy 
you don't know the military that I know. If you think the military is going to save you, and he, and like I said, he's currently working now, and I'm not going to say any more than that. Uh, but that's you're, I'm sorry, you're an idiot. Let me just say it straight. You're an idiot. If you have that confidence in all these people, uh, then you've not been paying attention in the right. last decade. Uh, these organizations that we all wrap that, you know, that, that we have, uh, you know, for the last several decades wrapped in the flag, you know, and yay, red, white, and blue, and blah, blah, blah. They are corrupt from top to bottom. They are absolutely ignorant uh, of the Constitution and, and have no respect for individual, life, individual rights. They are nationalist at best. Uh, and if you put your trust in these organizations, you are highly misguided. And I'll just simply say that even if I have maybe a, a more rosy colored glasses view of this very soon, if not already, the good people that are there are going to have to make a choice. They're going to have to make a choice. The James Otis Jr. choice. Can I in good conscience actually do the job that they're asking me to do while we're waiting for. Listen, Mr. I got out. Let me say this before you finish. I, I got out in 1998 and in the brief, uh, just the span of about eight years, I saw an absolute shift in military culture when I and I was at a training command at my last duty station where I saw these kids coming right out of high school into training and I saw uh, a, a massive cultural shift in the military all the way back in 1998. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, that only ramped up with the with the stronghold uh, that the leftists and cancel culture nitwits have had in the educational system. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, it is 20 times as worse now. Right. And so there are the, the military is jam packed full of these brand new, oh. uh, saturated and woke culture, uh, period. Now I understand. I mean, cause we know a lot, we know a lot of good veterans that are in there that still have the right principles and they tell us, about the cultural shift that's going on in our organizations, including the military and FBI and places like that. It's it's very sad and frightening. Well, Mr. Sabatini is here. So here's what I'm going to do to introduce him. I am going to share with you his introductory video that we have on that he post he himself posted on um, uh, on a uh, what is this, Twitter? So here we go, guys. I'm Anthony Sabatini. I'm an America First conservative, and I'm running for Congress. The spineless and corrupt Republican establishment turned its back on President <laughs> Trump and refuses to fight for our America First agenda. And it's time we fight back. As the most conservative member of Florida's state legislature, fighting for what's right is what I do. That's why I serve as an officer in the Florida Army National Guard protecting Florida against disaster and lawlessness. It's why I attended law school and college at the University of Florida. Go, go so Gators! I defend our constitution in the courtroom from the radical left and tyrannical government. And it's why I served in the Florida House of Representatives, filing legislation to crack down on big tech censorship. 
to prevent election fraud, to end illegal immigration, to ban transgender men from competing in girl sports, and to create term limits for every politician. As Florida's most pro-Trump state legislator, no one has fought harder for the America First agenda. And now it's time to bring that fight to Congress. Join me as we fight to take our country back and to make America first again. Awesome. Awesome. Welcome. Welcome. We're happy to have you with us. So I have a horrible eye squint in that video. You probably see I was squinting my eyes in most of it. <laughs> Looks no good, man. How- Sounded good. I love I, I love it. One thing I love about you is you are a straight shooter, man. Straight talker. Just say it like it is. And I'm, I tell the audience out there, as far as Florida is concerned, there is not a stronger <laughs> liberty fighter uh, in in our legislature, period, hands down across the board. Why? Yeah, so this is Anthony now. He is uh, District 32 uh, representative here in um, in Florida. And I loved seeing your wife in that video. She's an awesome. She's she's awesome. <laughs> she's another constitutional attorney. Yeah. And conservative who uh, I actually met working in politics. So and we've been married coming up on two years now. So Ooh, newlyweds. <laughs> That's true. So let me ask you this question, because you're still here in Florida. We're still working in Florida. What did you we, we have a lot of people who are interested in politics. I actually have a lot of people who are interested in running for office after they learn what we have to teach. They hear JC and I teach. They want to get involved. They want to do something. And, a, you know, a small portion of them want to run. I want to know what is the most challenging thing that you find being a constitutionalist in Florida? Well, I think the hardest thing that you're going to go through once you win, once you're in office, is that it's very difficult to explain to the public who are the people that are actually fighting for the Constitution, who are the ones who aren't. Because what happens is the public is it's no fault of their own. They're so busy. They got their kids and, you know, kids' soccer games and employment and taxes. All this stuff. They can't sift through to find out who are the ones who really have their interests at heart and who are fighting the good fight and who the, who the ones that aren't because what happens is a lot of the republicans who come in are really soft they're rhinos they're kind of fake conservatives but they'll still say that they're all these things you know we're fighting this we're fighting that we're putting uh you know we're putting up the good fight but they're really not doing anything and you know that they are because you're watching it happen but it, being able to explain that and deal with that disjunct between reality and like perception that's the hardest part in politics it's the hardest and i think Guys like Thomas Massey or, you know, Matt Gates would have to deal with it and all the time. And I do, too. It's it's difficult because the average Floridian, I mean, maybe less so than before, but they generally do not know the difference between a constitutional conservative and somebody who says they are one because they don't you know, they it's not accessible to find out their voting records and how they voted on an amendment, what they said in committee, who they're not taking money from or who they are taking money from in terms of a special interest. So that, and that's, you know, obviously there's a lot, a lot of facts, a lot of knowledge, very multifaceted. The, the fact that the general public doesn't have that access that they're, you know, can't find access to that. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Well, people don't really understand the standard of the constitution. They don't really understand the standard of 
how government's supposed to work. This might probably won't blow your mind, but it kind of blew my mind. I actually taught uh, just this month, this past month at a Republican club on the Florida constitution. And I had a lady come up to me, bless her heart for her honesty. She said today, before today, I didn't even know Florida had a constitution. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So, so go ahead. I, yeah. I was going to, I wanted to ask about, um, you know, your time. Well, or particularly this, this session, um, you know, it's been, it's been in this atmosphere of, uh, I, I guess the, the purge is, what I would call it. And it's this real targeting of, of, uh, you know, anyone who comes even close to thinking like we think. So uh, what's, what's it been like um, in this present atmosphere? Have you kind of, does it seem um, like it's, you know, a lot hotter, a lot, uh, you know, what, what's going on there? What's it been like since, uh, since January 6th, for instance? Yes and no. Uh, I mean, obviously the, people are being targeted and doxxed and attacked and canceled every single day across our country. But I'm in a unique position because I'm an elected official in the state legislature. What's what's annoying for me or what's unique, uh, what's a strange feeling for me is the fact that we are a state legislature. The state legislatures are the backbone of our constitutional republic. Yep. And it's it's and kind of infuriating that, you know, we have so much power, so much authority to fight big tech censorship, illegal immigration, all these different issues you hear about in DC. We can actually try to fix here at the state level, but you see this reluctance to act because so many of the people who do get elected just aren't willing to take a risk and they're not willing to exercise power because they just want to be liked by the media. And so that that's really been my experience It's not being purged or attacked, but really just sitting back and saying we need to be doing a lot more than we're doing. You know, every piece of conservative legislation that comes out of Tallahassee could be so much better if we had more constitutional conservatives elected, and in fact, we just sadly, we don't, we, we have a, what I would consider a pretty center right caucus, uh, you know, kind of traditional old, you kind of boring Bush era Republican party, you know, pro law and order and all these things that are just like flowers and happy, whatever slogans, but, <laughs> but actually not like legitimately trying to stop us from the existential threat, the legitimate existential threat that we're up against. I mean, literally, I think we're probably a couple years away from um, destruction if we don't act and if we don't put the right people in place. I mean, Donald Trump's, I put Donald Trump as a top five president in American history, not for what he did, but for what he was able to prevent, right? Just stopping what would have been the complete destruction of our constitutional republic. I mean, he slowed it down, but I I think that they really, I mean, the, the, the crisis at the southern border is by design. Um, the attack on our churches in the first amendment is by design. Um, can't, you know, cancel cultures by design. It, it, all of it. Uh, we have a lot we're up against in the next couple of years. And, and that, so that, so that my feeling right now is simply how do we educate enough people to get activated and set them on fire to activate other people to create a resistance, to fight back, win the house back, win the presidency back and, and stop the destruction of our constitutional Republic. Well, you, you've had a couple of bills that you sponsored that you put forward and, and, and co-sponsored as well. Some people uh, asked about the uh, Representative Tuck bill, which I know you co-sponsored. Uh, you don't get a lot of help up there, it seems. Sometimes it's got to feel like you're sort of the lone voice in the wilderness. But but you had a couple of good, uh, good bills that you're trying to uh, push forward on behalf of the people. 
It's true. Yeah, I have a, a lot of the most conservative bills. If there's an important issue to conservatives, I, I file a bill on that, whether it's popular with the establishment or the rhinos or the lobby corps. Uh, doesn't uh, doesn't factor into my equation. I still filed the bill. So I filed bills to stop transgender reassignment surgeries for children, stop yeah. men from playing in girls sports who consider themselves transgender, a bill to make E-Verify mandatory in the state of Florida, a bill to make it that you could sue a social media company that censors you based on your political or religious speech. Uh, a lot of the big conservative bills, I filed these bills because I want to make sure that they... The establishment can't use the excuse, well, nobody filed a bill on that. You know, if there was a bill filed on that, maybe we would have uh, moved that bill or let it get a hearing. But so I file a bill on all the most important subjects. So in case they do kill them, which they have, they kill a lot of the bills. Um, we at least know that it, the input, you know, the, the, the burden is on the establishment to prove why they killed these conservative bills. I mean, term term limit bills. I mean, I, fi- I file about 19 bills a year, uh, 20 bills a year. And, uh, you know, I will pass a bill this year. I'll, I'll probably end up passing one. The average is two to three. But um, this year, I really filed a lot of very conservative, constitutional conservative bills that the sort of weak, kind of moderate Republican establishment that runs Tallahassee right now is killing. I also have a bill to make it illegal to mandate a vaccine in the state of Florida. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. How is we were very happy. Most people don't realize that in the state of Florida, since 1992, it's been in the statutes that the that a, a a health officer can mand can well the language of the of the legislate of the the statute is can use whatever means necessary to vaccinate someone. And you were the first person to file a bill to stop that. How is that going? Well, so state health officer is a term of art. Basically, it means the state surgeon, which is another term of art. It just means the guy in charge of the Department of Health, which is an executive branch of pony. So really you're talking about the governor. So it's this it's elaborate statute, but what, what you're really talking about is does the governor have the ability to mandate a vaccine? That's the power that exists right now. It's an insane law that since really September 11th, shortly after 9-11 is when they expanded the power to include vaccines. Does the governor during a so-called state emergency have the ability to mandate vaccines? The sad truth is right now, because of an insane statute that was passed during a a really sad moment in our American history when the Patriot Act and all these other big government laws passed, they do. They have that authority. Uh, It violates the Constitution, but our Supreme Court would uphold it right now. And so I file a bill every year, or I have this year, but I'm going to file it every year until I leave the state legislature to get rid of this state authority, to get rid of this power that exists currently that would allow the governor to mandate a vaccine. Thankfully, right now, we have a governor who won't use that authority. But the fact that he even has the option, the fact that he can exercise it at any time legally in, in terms of what the court would uphold, what our courts would uphold, is frightening. And we need to get rid of this power as soon as possible. And so I filed the bill to get rid of it this year. The soft Republican sort of establishment uh, that runs the Florida House right now doesn't like it because they, in my opinion, the best way to put it is they always they don't. They'll do whatever it takes not to be called mean names by the media. We just don't want the media to say something mean about us. So our actions are dictated upon avoiding being called mean names from the media. So instead of being instead, you know, at the risk of being called anti-vax or whatever, they're willing to kill important bipartisan bills like this. By the way, this is a bipartisan bill. 
I have Democrats who co-sponsored my bill. There are literally Democrats who are like just as frightened as any Republican about mandatory vaccination. It's so silly. It's a it's a personal liberty, constitutional liberty issue. But um, the leadership has killed the bill. Well, that was expected. But we're going to file it again next year and move it again, because the truth of the matter is next year is the governor election, the gubernatorial election. And guess what? If an Andrew Gillum type wins the governorship, they're going to mandate vaccines. So we have one more shot to move this bill. I mean, it's not dead yet. And I tell all my medical freedom friends around the state of Florida to be advocating for this bill right now. They have the potential to do it right now. But I know what they're doing. They're just kind of waiting for the clock to run out and say, oh, sorry, we just couldn't squeeze that bill in this year. But next year we're going to get this bill passed because if not, we're going to have a constitutional crisis on our hands. Because if a Democrat wins, they're going to mandate vaccines and people aren't going to do it. My concern about this is, as you know, lawyers and politicians like to expand authority through interpretation. Except for me. <laughs> Except for you. Right. And you. I don't, I, but I told you when I invited you on the show, I don't actually put you in that category. So when <laughs> I say that, you're not you're not in that mental category for me. But what I what concerns me is, yes, it says state health officer. My concern is that you get a governor in office who then tells the state surgeon general that he can now delegate this authority to the guy down the street who runs the little health office. You know, that's the thing that really worries me. Then you've got this crazy brown shirt thing going on where people are being forced quarantine, forced vaccinated. It's, it's just insane to me that, that we, we have a Republican house majority, a Republican Senate majority, and we can't get simple, common sense, civil liberties, private autonomy bills. We actually can't even get these people to to agree, the majorities to agree on bills that protect our right to keep and bear arms. Yeah. You're exactly right. We have Republican House, Republican Senate, Republican Supreme Court, Republican governor. And yet they're still reluctant to act. There's more reps up here filing bills to create new license plates. I'm dead serious. Like license plates, like the average bill that gets filed is like, I filed a bill to protect the bumblebees. If you buy this license plate, $1 will go to the preserve the bumblebee fund. I'm dead serious. I always, and I, and, and, you know, quite frankly, I'll walk up to them and I, I mean, I'd say in good nature, but I, I tell them, I say, so our entire constitutional Republic is on the chopping block and we're going into a existential crisis for everything our founding fathers shed blood for. And you guys are filing bills for like license plates. What in the hell is going on? And, uh, you know, they, you know, I, I, I try to be good natured about it, but I try to explain to them that we have such a duty on our hands and we should, if you look at my bills, if you look at this, we get seven bills a year and unlimited repealer bills. So I do about seven bills a year. And then my wavelength only allows me to do about 10 or 12 or 15 repealer bills, bills they get rid of law. So I do, I think this year I did 20 bills by far the most of any house rep. Um, and, and if you look at, if you read all the bills, they're all hardcore anti-government constitutional conservative bills. Do I think I deserve a pat, pat on the back for that? No, I think that that's like the norm. That's just the norm. It's also what I expected everybody was doing when I wasn't a rep, yeah. right? <laughs> it's what I thought was happening, right? Because I read all the prom cards and TV commercials and I thought like everybody was like a Ted Cruz, like, you know, talking this way. And then I realized like they're just most of them are rhinos. I always say Tallahassee has more rhinos than the Central Florida Zoo or the Tampa Zoo. Um, so let me yeah. ask you, Anthony, because um, – 
how many, and without saying names or anything, how many in the House and the Senate do you actually believe, just an estimate of, of the people who are registered Republicans in the House or the Senate, actually understand the duty and the authority of the state legislature to guard the rights of the people from federal encroachment and from unconstitutional actions? I'd probably say five, maybe four. Five or f- people or 5%? Oh, uh, five number, uh, numerical out of 78 <laughs> Republicans. So there's, so there's 120 state reps. There's 40 senators. Um, out of the 120 Florida member, uh, you know, Florida House, 120 members, 78 are Republican. Um, last year it was 73, 78 now. We went up. The Trump coattails carried some more people in. Um, so you have 70 Republicans. I would honestly tell you that half are conservative and about five are constitutional conservatives. I mean that quite literally. The best litmus test was the Parkland gun control bill from three years ago before I was a state rep. So out of um, 70, I think that year you had 75 Republicans. There were 17 Republicans that voted no. 17. Yeah. I'm sorry, but but that was a quarter. But that was guns are easier than other issues because guns, you at least have like these groups like NRA or GOA that are pumping that constitutional issue in front of people's eyes. How many constitutional conservatives are focused on the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the you know lesser known Bill of Rights or less talked about? You know, there's less money behind them. There's less lobbies behind. So. So, yeah, there was like 19 Republicans to vote the right way on Parkland. But if it came down to like a freedom of speech issue or something, I think you'd probably see like five. But what you're saying, the point you're making is that for a Republican, gun control should be a low hanging, no fruit, a low hanging fruit, no brainer. You should have had seven, you know, you're never going to get 100 percent. You should have had like 70 of them voting against it. Over half. Yeah. 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 And they get 20. You had less than a quarter. Yeah, you had nine, 19 out of, uh, you know, 75 Republicans. So you're looking at, you know, roughly a third, you know, but I meant to say less than a quarter of the membership total, like out of 120 reps. Because, I mean, let's be honest, like the obligation for the Democrats to read the Constitution still exists, too. Uh, although we just don't expect them to. We should. Um, so, yeah. So now, so, so now you have your sights set on mm-hmm. the federal level. Uh, and, and seeing, uh, I, I think you want to work for Floridians and see how you can, uh, you know, work from that position and influence back uh, into the state. Uh, I, I and I, you know, it makes sense. It makes sense in your position. Uh, you know, you have a, a, a bigger platform, and I think a, a you know, maybe a more uh, more more leverage. Uh, to kind of influence what happens in Florida from that position. So, yes. what are your uh, w- what are your thoughts so far? I know it's incredibly early, well, you, but what's it look you, like for you? It's looking really good. You pretty much nailed it. A lot of my constitutional conservative friends are saying, "Hey, why are you going off to the swamp when we really need you so badly in the front line in the war against tyranny, which are our state legislatures?" Well, the truth is, and I'm just being very empirical here. I'm just very matter of fact. The pulpit that you'll get in Congress and the reach that you'll have in Congress is enough that if used wisely, you could use it more effectively to drive, drive state policy than you could even within the state legislature. So as a congressman, I'll be able to literally tour the state of Florida, primary rhinos, expose people to the bad bills and educate people like, just like you and Chris Andu um, from D.C., 
just because the sort of uh, pulpit that you you have right. in Congress in the 21st century, that wasn't historically true, as is historically true. But right. with social media and technology, Congress enables that. Um, yep. We're fixated on D.C. So, I mean, all eyes are on D.C. Yeah. Funny enough, I mean, go to, go to my Facebook comments, go to my Twitter and Instagram comments. The average person literally thinks I'm in Congress and I stopped correcting them because they just, you know, the average person doesn't, you know, know, understand really the difference between a state legislator and a federal legislator. But I just I know one thing when you're elected at that level that you you can drive state policy. I think a guy like Matt Gates can actually kill a bill more effectively, more quickly than uh, or Thomas Massacre than a state representative. And so I'm just going to use that pulpit to drive state policy. Well, then maybe once you're done there, you can come back and be governor. <laughs> you never know. I mean, that would be the gold standard. But the truth is you can be so much we can do at the level that we occupy, you know, in the meantime. You do not. I mean, hell, I'm, I'm a state rep and I'm able to, you know, educate and, and, and blow things up. I mean, I like to think I at least was partially involved in basically helping rewrite this online sales tax, this terrible online sales tax that would have been a billion dollar tax increase. I'm still, I don't know if I'm, I might still be against it, but they gutted that entire bill and created a $1 billion tax increase for commercial leases for business renters this week, two days ago. When that bill first got filed, it was the biggest tax increase in the state of Florida. At least now it's revenue neutral. Why? Because I, I like to think that when I was in the first committee set where it went, I blew that bill up with a speech and threw it all over the internet and jumped in front of the media and the pressure yeah, you, was there. You actually got us activated on that. Our entire church community uh, outreach to everybody in all of our contacts in the state of Florida. And we blew up yeah. the Tallahassee with emails and phone calls to stop You guys, that. your advocacy literally met, you know, had a direct result. I mean, literally yesterday was Monday, Monday in committee. They dropped an amendment that it brings the commercial lease tax, which is anybody that rents a business or a nonprofit, like let's say it's a church, um, you know, uh, not all, not churches, but like other types of nonprofits still have to pay indirectly this tax on commercial leases. Florida is the only state in the nation that has it. Well, they did a $1.1 billion tax increase as part of it. Basically, they made the bill revenue neutral. We're running the numbers to make sure that it's exactly equal. If it's a penny above, I'm voting against the bill. But that amendment came out of nowhere. It was because there was a pressure campaign from places around Florida, obviously uh, you guys and a lot of grassroots groups that were like, no, like this is intolerable. We're not going to do it. 47 other states did and create this insane new tax. So, And I was going to ask you earlier along those lines, and I, you know, what is the what is the thing that people can do to help? Uh, help you the most, help people in the, the, that position the most, to, you know, for a bill. But I mean, that would be it, right? I for, would say the you have to have the grassroots pushback. The best thing they can do is follow my social media, Chris and social media, the social media, the conservatives and share and educate friends they know in their own networks and their own personal networks about what's going on. Because I take an enormous amount of what's going into Tallahassee and then pump it into my various social media conduits. And then I, hope and pray that people take that and then send it to their circles and keep that chain of information going. That's the best thing they can do. Now, a normal politician would say, best thing you can do is just write me a check. And yeah, I need fundraising for my campaign. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is just spreading information and, 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 and getting involved and getting in the fight and understanding that you have power. One person through a phone call 
text message, email, rally, public comment in a, in a government meeting is enormous strength. And they just don't realize they have it. And uh, if they exercise it, they'll realize it even more and other people will too. Well, we are very happy to have you on with us. Very excited. I'm so grateful that you took the time to be with us today. Uh, I want to, I had a bunch of people ask me, say, if, uh, uh, is Anthony going to bring you to come teach the legislators? <laughs> and so I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> yes, I will bring you in. Yeah, you asked me, and obviously with my campaign and everything right now, time to my my schedule's ridiculously tight but if you send me some dates that you're available we'll get you up here and i'll get some people together and we'll do it come to tell us we'll do it outstanding Guaranteed. well anthony we want to help you in any way that we can we support you uh we are watching the bills that you're making we actually have a team of people who are following the legislation so that we can be uh an advocate for liberty with you and I have shared your social media. I've shared everything that we have. Is there anything that you want to say before it's time for you to go? Your last I would, few minutes. I would just say stay, stay in touch, stay involved. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm probably the only Anthony Sabatini on most of those mediums. You know, pay attention to what's going on. We're literally in the middle of legislative session. We have four weeks until the end, until what they call signy die, the end of session. And this is imperative and loud voices can either help pass or kill a bill and, and it ain't over until it's over. And social media gives everybody power. So stay involved, stay in touch, and let's make sure we get the laws that we need to Governor DeSantis' desk, you know, and protect our republic. Well, Amen. thank you, Anthony. I just, I know you're friends with Matt Gates. I actually saw your karaoke the other night. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to play that video. No, I wouldn't do that, Tim. It was great. I love you guys. If you do me a favor is the next time you see Matt, just let him know how grateful I am that, that he didn't, um, he didn't beat me up when he and and when his dad and I had that disagreement so many years ago, and I appreciate the uh, the fact that he remains constitutional in his perspective. So does, if it comes to disagrees. mind when you see him, then uh, just say, hey, Chris Ann gave you a shout out the other day and she appreciates you. Well, I'll do that. But more importantly, when I get to D.C., we'll, we'll all get together. Yes. That was great. <laughs> yeah, big fans, both of you, both yeah. of you guys. So everybody, everybody follow Anthony Sabatini's uh, social media, share the information. Um, we need to help get this guy where he needs to be. Yeah. So Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I had a, tw oh, here's Twitter. All of Link these things follow him. Are you on? You're on LinkedIn too. I aren't am you? LinkedIn, Parlor, uh, Clubhouse, all of it. I do it all. <laughs> great, great, awesome. Well, Appreciate thank you, you Anthony. Thank you guys. Stay in touch, and thank you for what you do. All right. God bless you. We'll be praying for you too. Bye bye. God bless. Take care. Well, I broke protocol and had a somebody in office on the show so why, why would you not have a politician on the show i don't know I, I don't understand that well it's because people take no. when we put them on the show number one people take it as an endorsement and we don't endorse candidates i mean that's simply a position that we've held for a very long time and to be honest jc many of them won't come they won't come
I would have anybody on the show. Yeah, absolutely. But they won't come because they're afraid to ask. They're, they're afraid of me. Yes. <laughs> Anthony's not afraid of me, but yeah, yeah, they're afraid of me. So we need we need a guy like that. And I mean, Congress need we we need all the help we can get in Congress. I mean, you know, that's our focus is the state and that sort of thing. Um, but you know, for a guy in his position, same thing like Matt Gates. I mean, who? We knew who Matt Gates was in Florida and what mm -hmm. he was doing in Florida, but mm -hmm. who who knew Matt Gates before that? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then he goes to Congress. Now he has a bigger platform and he's right. a, he's an even larger influencer. So right. in the sense of that, that's that's where I think people like that at the federal level are useful. I've said mm -hmm. this for years that the, that that the the number one utility for people like that at the federal level is, as he said, the bully pulpit, the pulpit that they have, the, the platform, the microphone. Mm -hmm. That's what's important because you can you can get up there and break through the lies and you do it in such a way that people like Matt Gates and and Trump and uh, uh, Anthony Sabatini is the same kind of guy. They do it in such a way that the media has to pay attention. They report on it. They're, these guys are so just straight straight shooters, straight talkers mm -hmm. that they say it in such a way, kind of like Trump, a little, little bit less bombast, um, you know, maybe whatever, but not, not quite so attack dog, but, but it just straight down the line. And so the media, it, it ruffles their feathers so much that they can't help, but, uh, help, but, um, report on it. And you know, that's why we can help people like Anthony, no matter where we live, because yeah. especially at the federal level, their voices are important to be heard. We need more people who will, who know how to, to operate in this media ruled complex, who are constitutionally minded, who will do what they are, are compelled to do for the liberty and the rights of the people in defense of the constitution. So uh, it doesn't matter where you live, and if you're in the state, it doesn't hurt to help somebody who's running at the state level, no matter where you live, because yep. every voice in office is a vote yep. and you need to have more voices. What would have happened in Tallahassee if we had instead of only 19 people like that, that were willing to vote as Anthony voted, instead we had 59 people who were willing to vote as Anthony voted. Yeah. Right. Yep. Fight the beast system. That's why we need guys yep. like this. Right. Exactly. So thank you so much. Shine the light. Push for back. Joining us today. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up and share. Help uh, get truth out there no matter what it is. And we would uh, love to have your feedback. Make sure you leave comments below. And we will. Oh, Bernie Thompson will Bernie be here tomorrow. Bernie Thompson will be here Wednesday, tomorrow. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You guys are going to love Bernie. And JC and I are going to come back on Monday all refreshed and energetic and with a little bit of vitamin D evidence on our, <laughs> on our faces. Oh, my goodness. After working. 24 hours a day, seven days a week for over an entire year straight. I'm I'm ready for a little time down. All right. Hope you enjoyed Representative Sabatini. Make sure you follow yeah. on social media and um, keep pushing out the truth, guys. Yeah. God bless. God bless you guys. We will see you on Monday and enjoy Bernie Thompson. Come back tomorrow.